I've been rooting for the unicorn to show up ever since I saw it on the whiteboard. <laughs> there you go. On a scale of one to five sexist surgery machines. If you understand any of that, you're a dork. This is Serious Business. Greetings, there was a majestic owl on TV, and this is Serious Business. I am Jeff, your host for this week's episode, and tonight I am joined by an excellent panel, including a special guest. Woo! Yay! Yay, yes. Yay. <laughs> the least enthusiastic yay came from the guest. So our guest tonight is my good friend Chris. Chris, how's it going? Pretty good. I'm really glad that you were able to join us. Uh, Chris is a fan of Hearthstone, which we are going to be talking about later in this episode. We've all been playing a little bit, not going to lie. But before that, on, on an actually really serious note, we're all really sad about the news about Philip Seymour Hoffman. He was definitely a favorite actor among just about all of our, our panelists here. So, Chris, I was wondering if you had a favorite Philip Seymour Hoffman role or movie. If you need some time to think about it, don't worry. I think I, I, I need just a moment to think about it. I actually had one prepared and then forgot it. Uh, no worries. <laughs> no, take your time. I made you go well, first, which is hard, too. There's a lot about like him disappearing into roles, too, and a lot of people like scrolling through his IMDb page and going, oh, yeah, he was in that, wasn't he? Yeah. No, I did that earlier today, and I couldn't even believe how many entries there are on his yeah. IMDb list. I stopped around, like, 93 or something, so I was like, <laughs> all right, this is getting ridiculous. I think I'm just going to have to go with the Big Lebowski, though, just because I like him. <laughs> right. uh, the, the, the first tweet I saw after uh, after his death was, "Today we are all little urban achievers." <laughs> uh, that's funny and sad at the same time. And uh, Chris, uh, it is tradition on this is serious business to imbibe some sort of beverage, delightful beverage. And I want to ask, what if anything are you drinking this fine evening? Tonight I am drinking Preak Organic Brewing Company's Winter Session Ale. Oh wow! Is it tasty? It is quite delicious. My friend left it at my apartment. Oh. <laughs> That's the best. Sarah Laws. Number Don't one reason to host. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> cool. Well, moving on, we got Marcus. Marcus, how's it going? I am doing great, Jeff. Glad to hear it. Marcus, do you have a favorite Philip Seymour Hoffman role or movie? I really liked Capote. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the one when you think of, like, what is the great Philip Seymour Hoffman movie? Mm-hmm. I think, at least. Uh, yeah, Capote, Capote was really, really good. It was like this uh, old-style filmmaking that uh, you don't see too much anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those biopics that... Uh, it's less about what the person just did and more about what all of it meant, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so it's a very, very interesting movie in that regard. Cool. And what, if anything, are you drinking this fine evening? I am drinking a Bud Light Strawberita. What? What, you guys haven't realized yet? That this is the king. This is the new... This is the game-changer. It has turned casual drinking on its head, and it, basically they made jungle juice okay. You, you'll hate on me, but uh, but I've converted. I have followers of the strawberita. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I really hope that that got picked up. <laughs> oh man. So what what is it? Strawberita is pretty much a margarita at wine strength served in a can and uh they're usually served in tall boys and it's pretty much just like uh it's like jungle juice for adults but not too adult like like it's like 21 year old drinking ironically i drink it ironically at first but now i'm actually a true believer oh dear it's one of those yeah it's it's pretty good it's like bud light lime man bud light lime is good (laughs) 
Well, I mean, you'll have to bring some when uh, when I see you in person next week, and maybe maybe on this next week's episode, uh, we can all You're, be drinking it. Yes, absolutely. We'll all be true true believers. <laughs> oh. So, rounding out the panel, we got Kristen. Kristen, how's it going? It's going well, Jeff. Glad to hear it. And do you have a favorite Philip Seymour Hoffman role or movie? I gotta admit, I haven't seen some of the big ones, like uh, Magnolia or Capote, because I am the worst. We're film student, Kristen. I know! I graduate. Whatever. I have no excuse. Anyway, but I really, really liked him in Catching Fire. And, like, even from the first trailer, like, you know, I was into those movies, but when, you know, his whole part where it's just, like, the low-key evil... He does evil really well. Yeah, but also, like, every line you could read both ways. And so, like, he had to pull off something pretty complicated in that movie, and he did it really well. And, I mean, everyone kind of brings their A-game to Hunger Games, which makes you really happy. Because, you know, it's based on a YA book, and people could kind of brush it off. Mm -hmm. But uh, he especially, like, just worked his ass off in that movie, and he was really great. So just even seeing the trailer, I was like, this is going to be really good and something special and it was so that's yeah i didn't even i didn't even know he was in that movie and when he showed up on screen i was like oh philip seymour hoffman <laughs> this is already 10 times better and it yeah. was already pretty good up until that point so yeah and what if anything are you drinking this fine evening i am drinking the classic gin and tonic uh excellent can't mm. go wrong oh. cool well uh let's see I, I would probably also say Capote was my favorite, but I also want to give props to Pirate Radio, which I really liked him in. That and, was the one that I had picked out that I thought I was going to say and then forgot once it uh, actually got to the moment. No that take back! amazing. I know, I feel <laughs> terrible stealing yours, but yeah, that one is so good. I completely agree, Jeff. Yeah, and that's one of those movies that was made better by him specifically. Mm-hmm. Like, it really could have been a very mediocre movie. And he, I think, elevated it with his performance, especially from a right. you know, the writing by itself wasn't up to snuff. He took it to a, to a new level. And I am drinking Sam Adams Light, which is relatively straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> it is a light beer that tastes okay. <laughs> Aww. Aww. Oh. Alrighty. So um, <laughs> now that I've taken another swig, I'm a, I, I pre-gamed for this episode. I won't lie. So oh good. Oh boy. Oh boy. Let's talk about that that superb owl, <laughs> which which is something that I started saying a couple weeks ago and found out that Stephen Colbert said it too. And I'll, he didn't I'll, just say it. He he did a thing with he it. He did a he did a whole thing. So Stephen Colbert has official ownership over the superb owl. Monica. Did uh did everybody watch? No. Uh, Kristen, you didn't watch. I I, I watched it, but uh, it, it, it it turned into heckle. I like I watched it half of it, and then the second half I heckled it. Mm-hmm. Chris, did you watch? I did watch. It mm-hmm. wasn't that great. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. Uh, it was one, show was amazing. Yeah, it was one team playing football and yes. uh, oh. another team studying the game of football as the other team played it. <laughs> 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 Points and laughs at a Manning. <laughs> Those fuckers. Oh, I feel bad for Peyton Manning though. I don't. His younger brother was sitting there who so won more Super Bowls than that. him. His younger brother is sitting there watching him. 
see, I like irrationally don't like Peyton Manning. Like, there's just something about oh, his face it's completely that I just don't like. To not well, like yeah. I just don't like him when he, well, when he looks around, when he's standing there, especially after <laughs> play that he fucks up when he has that like dumb look on his face. Like, ooh. I, I, mean, I was, I I was like... pretty happy that we got a lot of good shots of that dumb face. Oh, the uh, internet uh, is really, really pleased about how many Peyton Manning face gifts there are now. <laughs> there's so many. I, I, I was upset that after the game, I didn't get a Pizza Hut plug. Or, sorry, Papa John's plug. During- oh, that's right. <laughs> during his uh, press conference after the game. Oh, <laughs> a million free pizzas? Why not two million free pizzas? <laughs> Just like the two points that that first play gave to Seattle. <laughs> oh. oh, man. Has that was... ever happened? Has there ever been a safety on the first play of the Super Bowl? No. I hope not. Yeah. And and a safety like that one, too. That really set the tone. Of yeah, the it, yeah, it's like, oh, it's yeah. going to be one of these. <laughs> it was bad. So I, I do also want to pay lip service to something else that at least I thought was terrible last night, and it was the goddamn commercials. They were yeah, the, probably the worst year of Super Bowl commercials I've ever seen. Did you see uh, Bob Dylan is now the new James Franco? <sighs> oh, well, Clint Eastwood, actually. Didn't Clint Eastwood do uh, the Chrysler, the long, drawn-out, rambly Chrysler ad last year? Yeah. And this year it was Bob Dylan's turn. <laughs> when you want long, drawn-out... <laughs> Rambly Chrysler ads. Look no further than Bob Dylan and Clint Eastwood. And then be sad about it because those two are both legends and it's very sad to see what they do. Yeah. But I think it's just that there are too many goddamn car commercials. Because it's impossible. Yeah, it's impossible to make a really funny, good car commercial. And where the fuck did Maserati come from? Yeah. (laughs) What the hell? Wait, wasn't Tom Hiddleston in the car commercial? How dare you? Was he in one? I don't. I may have missed it. He was in a Jaguar commercial with uh, Mark oh, Strong yes, and yes. Uh, Ben Kingsley. There was a Jaguar. Or, or how they say it, Jaguar. Jaguar. That Jaguar. one was that one was okay, but it wasn't good. It, it had Hiddleston. It. bunch. Of, it was yeah. It was the three of them, and they were saying, you know, British people always play villains in movies, and then talking about how cool they were, and then them with Jaguars at the end. That was basically the entire ad. That's a pretty good description. <laughs> Have you been following the uh, outrage following the Coke ad? Which which one? Oh, the the, the, millions the and billions of people? racist people on Twitter yelling <laughs> at Coke for putting a commercial that had America the Beautiful sung in a different language because this is America and we speak yeah. English here. Uh, no, we speak American here. We do speak American. That's right. I was very concerned that that would happen after that ad. It was bad. They're also, although that commercial is the first commercial featuring a gay family ever in the Super Bowl. Nice. Well, that's good. Yes. Uh, who would have thought that uh, it would come from a huge mega corporation in Atlanta? <laughs> well, I mean, it's an ad during the commercial during the Super Bowl. It had to come from a huge mega corporation. Yeah, right. That's true. Well, what about Tim Tebow? Did Tim Tebow? T- Tim Tebow? Tim Tebow? That Tim Tebow? He Tim Tebow. Tim, <laughs> Tim Tebowed a little. Tim Tebow. It's like Buffalo. He buffalo, 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 that buffalo. It's like Esurance 30 or whatever the hell that is. That's clogging up my Twitter feed. There was one ad that had potential, and that was Jason Statham watching Downton Abbey on a plane. But it was a 30-second ad, and it really needed to be a minute. There was no build-up. It was like immediately he started punching people for interrupting Downton Abbey. And if he had been sitting there watching it nicely for 15 seconds or so. Did you see the Newcastle ad with Anna Kendrick? Where it's basically just her talking into the mirror about how hot she is and how Newcastle can't pay for a Super Bowl ad, and they had to actually bleep out the word Super Bowl? Oh, I... 
I saw the preview. Of the the pre-ad. <laughs> yeah, pre-ad, pre-ad. Ad. We have to add ads for the ads. For this. Yeah. God, that's well, so I just sad. saw it online because, again, my interest in football decreases 100% if Tom Brady is not on my screen. Tom Brady. That Tom Brady. My mm-hmm. hero. Mm-hmm. You're uh, the only person who says Tom Brady, yay, Peyton Manning, boo. I doubt that's true. Yeah. I, I out, out, out of the greater Boston area. Yeah. <laughs> that might be true. <laughs> out of these five-ish states, I, I say ish because maybe there's half of upstate New York, possibly. Yeah. I don't know. There's some wooded parts that would probably accept being categorized with us. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I was particularly depressed at that Scarlett Johansson ad. I think because she said less instead of fewer. Yeah, that was that was the part that offended me, and not <laughs> the rest of it, which was pretty bad. But yeah, I can't think of a single ad that I found memorable or liked, and I can think of several that really annoyed me. There was also a lot of self seriousness, a whole lot, a surprising amount, and I think Super Bowl ads are the best when they're just trying to be ridiculous and funny. Colbert ad was pretty good. With the, uh, the pistachios? I, 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 what boardroom were they sitting in when they're like, you know what? We need him to crack his skull open. That will really sell a lot of pistachios. <laughs> like, Stephen Colbert's skull cracking is kind of, it's kind of what we need. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the commercial that you wanted. It's not even the commercial you needed. It was the commercial you deserved or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I would say it was it was okay. But again, not, not memorable. Not, not something that I would think about the next day and laugh, you know? But, oh well. I think it is about time for our first refill break of the episode. When we return, we will be talking about Blizzard's new card battling game, Hearthstone. So we will be our beat. Woohoo! We have all recently downloaded Hearthstone. I think Chris actually has been playing it probably the longest of any of us, but I know that Kristen, Marcus, and myself started playing last week. So I want to start with Kristen, because Kristen, you have no experience with the Warcraft universe uh, at all whatsoever, as far as I understand. You can correct me that if I'm wrong. That is absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. So Kristen, what was it like jumping into this game kind of blind? Well, they walk you through it. There's a bunch of tutorials at the beginning, like just practice rounds that, you know, kind of teach you how to play the game and also give you a very false sense of your abilities at playing the game. Yes. <laughs> because I won every single one of those handily. Mm-hmm. And then immediately start. Well, I don't... I only played one round in, like, the play. There's also the practice, which mm-hmm. I don't know what the difference is, but whatever. And I immediately, like, lost all the actual games I was playing until I actually built my own deck. Mm-hmm. And then as, as soon as I did that, I won my first game. Yeah. Um, yes. Ooh. Well, my strategy was, because what kept happening was I kept getting all these, like, really good cards, but I didn't have enough, oh, I forget all the terminology. Mana. I yeah, I didn't have enough mana to actually play them, and so I kept getting taken out, so I just loaded up my deck with a bunch of, like, really cheap cards, so I could just, like, they were just cannon fodder until I had mm-hmm. enough mana to, like, really go on the offensive. So mm-hmm. That was my strategy, and that actually wound up playing out. I eventually figured out, oh, you actually have to go for the person's, I don't know, cards instead of the actual opponent but yeah basically i just like logged on to play a little bit and then like 
an hour and a half later, like, maybe I should go to bed now. So it wound up being super addictive because it's like, just one more. I'm going to beat it. I can feel it. I'm going to win this time. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah, just to provide a little bit more context, Hearthstone is currently an open beta. It's a game by Blizzard. It's online completely. It's all digital. And basically, it's a virtual card game where you pick a class and you're basically either a mage or a shaman or a priest or a paladin or something. And the idea is that you play cards that either act as spells or minions that fight battles against your opponent. You each have 30 life and the goal is to reduce your opponent's life to zero before they reduce your life to zero as well. So Kristen, what class did you end up playing when uh, the most? Or did you try a bunch? Did one particularly stick out to you? Well, I'm, you have to beat the other ones to play them. And right. I only beat... Druid, I think. So, so far I've only been playing as Mage. Ah, uh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Mage, Mage is a nice and spellcaster heavy kind of, mm -hmm. or spell heavy deck. If yeah. you like those early rush decks, you should unlock Warlock and play with that class. Oh okay. god, Warlock. <clears throat> Warlock rush decks are uh, mean. They're yeah. just mean and they're bullshit. Yeah, so it's like it, one it, mana <laughs> cards, you just like load them up and then just like... Yeah. Yeah. Flood the board with lots of minions that say like you know uh, all other minions of plus one attack, and you just stack four of those and then hit them for just outrageous. It's so yeah. much. Fun. Nice. Uh, so I come from a long background of uh, Magic. I've been playing it for over a decade. So I ranked up to rank fourteen pretty much the first day I got the game. Yeah, which is uh, ridiculous, by the way. You start at rank twenty five, and for instance, like I consider myself a gamer. Like I, I generally like know how to play games like this, particularly ones that involve some element of strategy. And on my first day, I got my ass handed to me when I tried online matchmaking. Like, I, I could not rank above rank 23. So, Marcus can, Marcus is a bit ridiculous, but continue, Marcus. So, what happens is, pretty much the first threshold you have to beat learning how to play a card game is just, like, general card strategies. So, like, there are classes that are, before you even get to their cards, that are inherently gimped. Like, Rogue is a terrible class. And the reason because of that is because there's the concepts of card advantage and removal. And so what you do is if you play a minion and I play a card that kills your minion, we just went even. And neither of us gained card advantage. But every time you draw a card, you gain card advantage. So if you draw a card and get rid of a card, or if you draw two cards without losing anything you're gaining something called card advantage, and this is how you win card games. And so if you can, like, if you build your deck based around that, because there are some cards that are clearly just very good, like uh, the five uh, mana for the, uh, was it, the Zor Drake? That's yep. like only 25 to forge with uh, Dust. Every deck, unless you're doing something very specific, should have two of those. Zor Drake's it's, ridiculously good. Yeah, yeah. Like, once you learn that, you'll rock it up to, like, my rank immediately without getting any of the really good cards. And so there, you don't the, need really good cards to win. People have reached legend rank, which is what happens when you complete all the stars and you're already rank one, mm -hmm. using no epic or legendary cards at all, using only commons and uncommons. People have done it. It's possible. Yeah, it, it's, it's certainly possible, but it's like, a lot what, harder. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, just you know, like some sometimes they had Deathwing and you didn't, and mm -hmm. and that and that will be the end of a card game. And so there's a lot of that, and there's a lot of like card holding. When they do stuff like that, you have to have... If you get up to a certain level... I play Mage because Mage has the best removal and the best card advantage cards outside of Warlock. 
So it becomes a lot of that. And so I like that Hearthstone has these elements, but it also like you can learn it in 20 minutes, mm-hmm. which is something you can't do with like magic. Right. No, that's a good yeah. point. Hearthstone is, is very accessible while still having kind of a layer of complexity yeah. to and it. There's free. a lot of layers of depth to Hearthstone because you immediately grasp the rules to the game and how to play it. And then you start to realize there's a lot more to it in the strategy. And then there's all kinds of ridiculous metagame breakdowns of you know tempo versus all kinds of different things yeah, yeah. And, uh, and this is a weird game because uh in magic you all you pretty much always want to go first unless you're playing legacy format or something mm-hmm. like there, there's certain formats where it's okay yeah, to go, they go solve second. the going first problem so well because i don't, I don't think it's they did at all. really like a split of which one i like going better first so or second going second is so much better because your deck but you get the mulligan off four likes to go first you get the mulligan off four cards isn't that's so much better than choosing the mulligan off three cards? Well, that's a good point. I didn't yeah, even like, thought about that. Yeah, like, like mulligan the, the, wise, yeah, but like, yeah, and you get one tempo back, right? Because mm-hmm. you have the coin, and the coin also counts as a spell, which is uh, you know great for me. Amazing. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, like questing adventurer, mana worm, like it's really good for all that. Works so, great in Rogue, too, because you, you can queue up com- combo with it. Yeah, combo works with coins. So if you have like two cards that both have combo, you you can coin out before playing both of them and you'll get the combo effects of both cards yeah so so yeah going second i think is almost always better especially if you're playing with removal cards uh and warlock it, likes to go first because you want pure board control and almost half your decks one drops yeah i mean i, I think those warlock decks are actually really flimsy oh they're flimsy, but they work i mean they're really they're, really hard to deal with they are I mean, frustrating i think that they're probably the most abusable strategy right now maybe not the best but the definitely the most abusable i've been as in it takes very very little to win a game with a warlock yeah deck. I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean yeah you, you can be near brain dead and win with a deck like that but if i it's so like easy. you get a wall around rank 10 ish yeah right? or, when you start to get to the really serious players you're not going to be able to get any further than that you might even not even be able to get past like 14 13 no but i mean like there's this, major walls as you go throughout the the ranks no, I mean, just it, it's like, okay, yeah, you'll get them down to like 22 health and they won't be able to do a thing about it. But it's just like, Kobold, Arcane Explosion, en- enjoy your defeat now. Like, and then, and then you life tap yourself down, do my job for me, and then I just play removal while you life tap yourself out. Mm-hmm. It, like, those Warlock decks, I think, like, yeah, they'll, they'll win some games, but in any like serious format where it's like, especially if, it, if there's like such thing as a sideboard, which I'll get into later, which is an element of death that Hearthstone doesn't have. You'll steal games, but it's like rolling a die at that yeah, point. You're, you're you're not really playing the game. Yeah. Well, actually, hold on. Before before we continue this this strategic discussion, because I do like this debate, I actually want to get some broader context about Chris. Chris, how long have you been playing Hearthstone, and what's your what's your history with it? I know that you have definitely followed a lot of the online communities that have developed around it. So when did you start, and what are some of the places that uh, that you like to check out? So I guess, first off, I've been watching streaming Hearthstone, which I think is the best source of Hearthstone content, because mm-hmm. the best way to learn to get good is to watch people who are better than you, like, since the beta started. And I've been playing, I got my invite in, like, November. So I've been playing for that long, and I'm not nearly as good as, like, a lot of the streamers out there and stuff, but I watch it every single day, and I go to the subreddit and read through it and stuff, so I'm up to speed on all the metagame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and it's it's interesting because any game that's in open beta that is a strict... Uh, I mean, ultimately, this it is... It definitely changed turn- when open beta happened. When it turned yeah. to open, uh, there was an immediate difference in both ranked and arena. You could oh, tell. Yeah. No, yeah. The, whole, the whole thing shifted. Arena and, got easier. Uh, <laughs> no, the, the metagame will, will shift, 
I guarantee, tremendously by the time this game is officially launched. Absolutely. Especially since they keep on balancing cards, and I assume they're going to add more, at least I hope. Mm -hmm. Um, They're consistently balancing cards. Like, Mage and uh, Hunter used to be similar to how you were just describing, where, like, if you luck out and happen to get those right combinations of cards, then you just win. What's great is that in the patch notes from Blizzard, as they changed those cards and they curved away from those strategies because they don't want it so that once I get XYZ in my hand, I win the game. It doesn't matter how it's been going so far. Yeah. They write it in the patch notes next to each card. They're like, this went with the one-turn kill strategy the Hunters would use. We're trying to curve the community away from this because we want it to be a back-and-forth battle. Mm-hmm. And it's cool that they give that level of transparency to their development. Yeah, and I hope that they continue with that, too, as they work their way towards a live game, because certainly there are other examples of games that are not transparent at all. I think the biggest example is probably Dota 2. Yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah, where Ice Frog like lives in a bunker under. He's like the he's like the uh, JD Salinger of uh, <laughs> of video game uh, video. Yeah, we're just all sitting here waiting, and then when he comes out, we have to like try to read into his brain. <laughs> so I want to ask Chris, what class do you prefer overall? I think that my favorite class for ranked is probably either priest or paladin, and my favorite class for arena is mage or druid. And do you <laughs> they're really uh, fundamentally different things? Do you yeah. prefer aggro or control? And just for Defense context class. for everybody, a- aggro decks tend to focus on damage, just kind of getting minions out on the field quickly and right. gaining control yep. and maintaining control until the opponent has zero health. Right. And yep. then uh, a control deck is a little bit more nuanced. Do you want to explain that, Chris? It, it uses spells to get a similar objective done. It's more about sort of delaying the game until you can get your late game out that you know they can't handle. Mm-hmm. So it's all about AoE, good removal, and in Mage's case, they have a lot of great delay because they can freeze enemy minions so you can just delay for whole turns at a time while you're waiting until you have enough mana to just blow all your spells and kill them mm-hmm. right so Kristen, i actually want to ask you a question i know that you you had fun giving hearthstone a, a, a whirl do you ever see yourself watching a hearthstone stream or something like that or um do you think that this is going to be one of those things that's a relatively you know casual kind of time killer type of game or do you do you want to pursue the the strategic development of it well the thing with me is like i am a uh i am a champion procrastinator mm-hmm. and i can procrastinate two things at the same time so basically <laughs> when i'm playing games i'm usually playing games on my phone while i'm like watching a movie or something right so a game that like takes up all my concentration isn't something i'm gonna play a lot of the time but i do see myself playing it again but i don't know if i'm gonna work that hard (laughs) at getting better at it and that's something i actually want to talk about a little bit because any online video game that's that's about that head-to-head competition particularly in a strategic sense you're always balancing fun versus work and Hearthstone, I think, is very good about making the work part of it still fun. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the reason games like StarCraft end up plateauing in popularity, I think, is because ultimately their competition becomes too difficult. It's You, you realize after a game, you're like, you know, your heart is pumping and you're like, this actually I, is way too stressful for me. Yeah. yeah that, that's how I certainly felt with StarCraft. It's like... You know, I got up to high platinum and just trying to crack into diamond. I would, like, watch replays. I'd watch pro matches and stuff like that and be like, man, like, this is, this is like, go to the gym. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Gotta, you know, 
go home and practice my StarCraft so I can play it and wait, I'm not I'm not even enjoying this anymore, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and then that, they make hundreds of thousands of dollars at tournaments. Right, that's true, they do, <laughs> but not nearly as much as, you know, League of Legends or, uh, yeah, or Dota 2 yeah. even at this point. And maybe it's because those games and Hearthstone as well may may place a greater emphasis on the fun factor. I mean, Chris, you were talking earlier about the balance notes and how Blizzard their, their overall philosophy, from what I've read in forum posts, seems to be about balancing for, for fun and engagement as opposed yes. to balancing for exploitation of strategy. It's less about creating some sort of neat, from a kind of engineering standpoint, something that people could really figure out if they go really deep. And it's more about being like, no, we just want this to be cool. We want people to, to have fun and we don't want people to have ways of winning that, while they may be really clever, are just not that fun. You know. I, I also think that they want to have an emphasis on the importance of playtime skill versus deck building skill. I mean, obviously deck building is really important, but you know, it's not about finding broken combinations. It's about just building a solid, well-rounded deck and playing really well. Yeah, yeah. And that's the only way that you can get into yeah. the really high also, ranks. Also, uh, having a three-card hand is really limiting. To building a deck mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because you you play off the draw so hard i mean i hate to keep liking it to magic but you know with magic you get a seven card hand eight if you're comparison. on the if you're if you're on the draw but and you have to have a certain amount of lands for it to make a passable hand but what it does is it opens up deviations and possibilities whereas starting with three cards and drawing a fourth really kind of slows it down to a point where you're hitting a curve and you're staying on the curve and then you're kind of like going one up or two down and okay but i i guess to play devil's advocate on that point what magic hand would you want more than three or four non-land cards in so really you're effectively choosing from the same pool of cards because uh, hearthstone doesn't have land yeah, and, which I'm also really curious about your opinion on whether or not you like or dislike not having land. I've heard a lot of really conflicting opinions from Magic players. Oh, I, I think land is absolutely important because what land does is it makes a deck. Because you have your mana curve in both games. Mm-hmm. Hold on, before you continue, Marcus, just for broad context for everybody, in yeah. Hearthstone, every turn you get an additional mana. And mana is what you utilize to cast your minions and your spells. So first turn you have one, second turn you have two, third turn you have three. It makes it very predictable. You can take a look at the cards in your hand. You can say, oh, I have a card that costs three mana. I'll be able to play that after turn three unless I have the mm-hmm. the coin. Uh, which Playing is a, your turns. Right. Yeah. In Magic the Gathering, you gain mana a little differently. Magic, of course, is the most wildly popular card battling game there is, which is why we keep making this comparison. It's been around since the early 90s. It's definitely the head honcho in this type of game. So in Magic... It's the game to be compared to. Exactly. In Magic, your mana... There are five different types of mana, and your mana is played in the form of land cards, and you actually draw them, and you're able to play one per turn. So, theoretically... You're, you're still gaining the same amount of mana, like one, two, three per, per turn, but you may end up with a hand that doesn't have any land in it, and then you can't play any more mana. So you might be stuck on four mana for, you know, several turns, just because of luck of the draw. So that's the mechanic we're talking about here. But Marcus, continue. Sorry. So with both Hearthstone and Magic, you hit your mana curve, right? You know, you want to play one drop, you want to play two drop, you want to play yep. a three drop, and then after Playing three drops... 
Yeah, after your three drop, you either regress back down for uh, to hit your win condition, or you regress back up until you hit your win condition, or progress it to your win condition. In uh, Hearthstone, there's really only two real win conditions. One is complete control, and the other is complete aggro. And I think it misses this nuance that la- that mana ha- has available because it goes hand in hand with being able to play things on your turn and their turn. And by doing that, mana becomes more important to delegate because it's very rare in a Hearthstone hand that you look at your hand and you don't know what you want to do. I mean, there's like, you know, do I play the removal or do I play the, the minion? It's like the only dynamic you have because you don't have this, I'll spend half now, half later. And because you're always just getting your mana back infinitely and you always know you'll have another mana. So it adds a, an element of uncertainty out of it that takes away from deck building strategy, I think. And it makes your like it takes your already small hand and it all and it spells it out for you. Right. So you're saying that in magic there's an extra level of uncertainty that makes deck building a more nuanced and complex process and in Hearthstone different it's types of lands and stuff which yeah, adds oh, totally. to the deck building yeah. Yeah. sort of meta yeah. of magic. Yeah, but but, but uh, that's essentially what I mean is that because if we, I have four mana this turn, mm-hmm. I'm just going to empty out until I'm done with four mana, and there's like one right permutation right. Uh, to do that. Or like there might be like two different things. Like, oh, do I play a big, a decent creature, or do I remove a spell and cast a free card, which is my wizard class card? Right. So, so I mean, like you have to choose between those two. Mm-hmm. But in, in Magic, you have, I can play things on my turn, I can play things on their turn, yes. and I might not get a, a land next turn. So you have to play. You have to play in a more mindful manner. If right. your deck, your deck is less played for you. Yeah. No. And in, in in Magic, as Marcus was saying, in Hearthstone, you're only allowed to do things on your own turn. And yeah, in Magic, no in Magic, yeah. there are spells that you can cast during your opponent's turn, and that yeah. adds a huge layer of complexity to that game that is not pre- present in Hearthstone. Even that, but there's not even activated abilities. Right. And and anything on the field is a minion. There's no enchantments or anything like. Like right. it's it's like playing a very streamlined version. It's like when you first play Magic, mm-hmm. and like you and your friend build decks with just big creatures in them. Yeah. Before you Jeez. go to hate it. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Marcus, do you think that Hearthstone will stand on its own, or do you think it's it's going to be m- marred forever by comparisons? I think that they're going to develop it. I think they're going to come out with like uh, you know like um they're going to come out with new abilities and they're going to add complexity to it. I think yeah. what they did was they just started a game. They want a functional, fun game, mm-hmm. and then from there they can add, make it more complex and more fun. I equate fun with complex when, right. it comes so, to car- when it comes to card games. Right, and there are there are a few unique mechanics in Hearthstone, like mm-hmm. having your character be able to equip a weapon or uh, gain attack and armor. That's yeah. thing. I think um, it's really cool. The yeah, I also uh, think it's really interesting that uh, minions do not regain their health. Right. Uh, compared to magic. Right. Yeah. Where like you just have to hit him in with enough damage to destroy it in magic to kill it, whereas in Hearthstone, you know, you can whittle away at a large creature. Right. But I mean, but that's usually the wrong play anyways. It is usually the wrong play, but it's an interesting yeah. mechanic and it, it it plays out really interestingly in a lot of ways. For yeah. example, I can't remember the name of the card, but uh it's power is always equal to its toughness in magic. Uh, uh, yeah, that's attack that's is always that's equal to its number, it the, the, life, health. the life life something. spawn or something yeah, like that. Yeah, life or, spawn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's something like that. That one's really interesting because as you damage it, it actually does less damage because yeah. it's, its damage is always equal to its current health. 
Yeah, but I mean, if you're a pr- if you're a priest and you're damaged, I mean, I mean, not to nitpick because I think that that is cool. But if you're a priest, you know, priest has infinite healing on their side. So if you're damaging it, you're you're wasting your time if you can't kill it. I mean, yeah, I, I, but that's I'm, specific to priest, obviously. Depending, I mean, you might also I, want to be baiting out their hero power because uh, rogue is the only hero whose hero power breaks even in tempo. Yeah, that, that's true. But I mean, rogue has so many problems with it. Um, I disagree with your analysis of Rogue, actually. I think Rogue's a very powerful class. I think there's only one way to settle this, and that's that after we're done recording, Marcus and Chris have to play Hearthstone against each other. I'd be totally willing to play, but uh, I I don't think I have the cards for it. But I'll (laughs) Oh! I just recently opened a Tyrion in a pack, so I have nothing but Paladin and Constructed. (laughs) That card's so good, it's almost always three for one, and it equips a weapon. Yeah, it, it, yeah, I, I've I've been hit by that guy before. Like mm-hmm. when when, I've when won you're so many games just by dropping it when I was wicked far behind. <laughs> yeah, so, it, it, it gets real tough. <laughs> it sounds to me, Marcus, like you're making excuses in advance. I'm just saying. Oh well, you know, good good, 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 good cards are good. Yeah, good cards are good. <laughs> All right. Yeah, and then Kristen and I can play each other because we are both equally troubled. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's true. Well, you did beat me in one game. I, I did beat you once, but weren't we doing basics against basics? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and so I was playing the basic shaman deck. I was playing, I think... deck ever constructed. I, I oh, was wait, basic wait, wait, wait. priest or something. How could anything be worse than, uh, what is it, the, was it basic paladin? I think basic paladin's absolutely garbage. It, it might be. Uh, it's yeah. tough to say. All the basics has, are pretty bad. Has, well, the basic warrior is actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. It has blessings in it, which are just great, and then the shaman deck just is nothing. All right, so I do want to ask everyone one final question before we end our discussion on Hearthstone. That revolves around the game's business model. Hearthstone is a freemium game, so you can download it absolutely for free. You can earn in-game gold, which you can use to buy virtual cards that you can add to your decks, or to enter the arena which is a really That's fun way to play. Yeah, if you're if you're familiar with a Magic Booster draft, it's sort of similar to that. Basically, you're presented with three cards, you get to choose one, and you do this 30 times to build a deck on the spot, and then you battle people who've done the exact same process until you lose three times, and then you get rewards. So it's really great. Hopefully, they'll add a way to play that with friends, because that would be yeah. just super. In my uh, opinion, Arena is the game. I don't play ranked anymore at all. I think it's pointless. Yeah. Uh, Arena's yeah, so uh, awesome. Uh, as a as a uh, as a magic player who plays standard, there's a thing called drafting, which is like this. Yep. It's uh, it's a little more complicated because there's like you get to choose what your other opponents get to yeah, draft. Yeah, pass it around. Yeah, in the arena, I kind of like it a little more than the drafting because it's a little friendlier. Because drafting yep. is incredibly competitive. You know, like in standard, there's like ten viable decks that you get to do ten percent of your own game to do but in in the hearthstone arena i found it that you have to know the meta a little bit but yeah for sure you do, but you don't end up with like the same deck over and over that you're facing yeah that's true that's definitely yeah. true so um so these are the things that you can spend this gold on and you can also spend real money to gain gold or to gain access to the arena or to do all of these things the only other way to earn gold in the game is by comp- completing various quests, some of which are made known to you, some of which are hidden, but basically it's a slow process to gain gold unless you, you get really good, which I'm sure Chris will, will talk about a little bit. But <laughs> here's here's my question. Do any of you plan on spending any actual money on this game, or just taking advantage of what it gives you for free? So let's actually start with Chris on that one. I've spent about 50 bucks on this game so oh, far. Oh, wow. 
Okay, so that's Over the last a big two yes. months, just buying packs because I really wanted to get a Sylvanas Windrunner. I got one. Yeah, and then yeah. then they nerfed her. Then they nerfed her to the ground, to and I never got my dust back, and I'm really pissed about it. Yeah, she's terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, no, she's not terrible. She's still probably the best, maybe the second best legendary to enchant because she's still two for one every time. Uh, she's so good. She, she causes she, your enemy to suicide their whole field onto you. All right, you guys, you got to take it out on the board. I'm sorry. I I have a Sylvanas in every constructed deck, and I will be. I I, 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 do. <laughs> I, I do. All right. So so Marcus, will you be spending any real money on this game? Uh, I've spent twenty bucks, and you, you're not really playing the game if you don't have some cards. Mm-hmm. Right, like you know, you're just gonna sit there and struggle there for a long, long time, and it doesn't like you'll hit this cap that's really early. And I think it was like worth the twenty bucks to get above that cap. Mm-hmm. Whether I'm gonna keep spending is kind of weird because now that I'm over that first plateau, I'm on my second plateau, mm-hmm. and it's tough because you know now instead of going against like one legendary in a deck, I'm going against like four or five, and at that at that point, it kind of starts to feel a little rock paper scissory. At that point. It mm-hmm. feels like, you know, like, okay, if they draw their Deathwing, I lose here. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like, it, it becomes one of these things where I feel like the, the removal is not good enough against the great cards. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like, in, in some games, like, even Yu-Gi-Oh! Or, Mag- or other games that are a little more mature, there eventually comes time where you have really cheap removal. Right. And they don't have that yet. Like, Polymorph is the only thing that I can think of in the Mage deck. The other decks have different things. Mm-hmm. That, like, really is like, okay, you play Deathwing, I have Polymorph. And so... Saves your Polymorphs. Always save it, your Polymorphs. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yes, yeah, you, you always do, but that requires you to always have plus one card advantage, right? Yeah. So, I think cheap removal will advance this game past the point of legendary... Like, you know, I had a legendary drop, you removed it, I played another legendary drop, I win. Right. And, uh, so, so I think once Hearthstone gets up to that point in maturity, or either that or make drawing cards a lot cheaper than it already is, which I don't think is the right way to go. But the point is, you spent money, you'll probably spend more money. See, I haven't yeah. spent any more money since I spent my first little batch of money, basically. Uh, yeah. see. I That's kind not- of agree with his plateau theory. Like Once I got over a certain point, I feel no need to buy more cards. I just feel the need to play more arena runs to get more decks instead. Right, yeah. I gotcha. Alright, so Kristen, what about you? Do you plan on spending any real money on this game? Why did you end with a bummer? <laughs> well, I'm, no. I mean, if, if your answer is no, my answer is pretty much no, too. Yeah. So, so yeah, high five, no. Kristen. Yeah. <laughs> You're just going to kind of enjoy what it can give you for free as a time sink. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, I can't blame you for that. I, I have that experience with most freemium games that I play. I've gotten 750 hours out of Dota 2, and I have not given them... That game has cost me negative dollars. <laughs> I have spent or I have, I've sold items on that game for money. I have I've I've been paid to play that game. And it's a good system. It's, it's I think Hearthstone is enjoyable as a free to play game. I think they need to give you a bunch of booster packs when you start an open account though. Yeah, no, to get I, you past that first little bit of deck building plateau cuz I can I can empathize with that as somebody who won who lost their first eight games against actual people <laughs> yeah that or they need to give you more free arena passes in the beginning that way you can earn decks through playing arena mm-hmm. i think that would be another good solution to that uh, i think i think they should just do mmr mmr is <laughs> <laughs> not a bad idea hey. yeah like yeah like like it, they should have like low tier arena like you should have op- like arenas with high booster packs with more competitive players and low booster pack arenas because uh I mean, you're if you if you're just logging in and you're not like a competitive card game. Like, 
I've I've been playing competitive cards for a long, long time, and I'm I'm like really starting to hit this plateau pretty early on. And, and like I could see other people just like logging in, getting smashed a bunch, and being like, "Well, you know." Heh. But like if you if you can give people like an arena to play against their friends, because you know every Magic player played against their friends when they first started, and the oh, decks yeah. were terrible, but it was still a lot of fun. And this mm-hmm. one, they just throw you into the sharks immediately. That's, and then they, yeah, I hope that they can kind of fix their matchmaking system. One of the biggest yeah. problems is also they did a reset right when it went to open beta of yeah. the ranks. So you were going against people who were like rank three and stuff before the reset, and they're just trying to just rush wins to get back up to their rank. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, they just don't have a good way to... A lot of people have suggested to give anyone like half the rank that they had before. One thing uh, that you do is that if you reach Legends rank, which is when you get all the way past rank one, you start at fifteen when the resets happen. So, so that's you're, that's you're a at least bit. not never against Legends players. You don't have to worry about that because they will absolutely crush you. And some of them don't even have epics or legendaries. Yeah, no, it's true. They're well constructed, but I mean, also like I've seen I've seen those builds, and they're they're very cerebral and they're really good. But There's a lot, lot of value. But a lot of them you can see falling flat if they get, if you get two for one once and then they drop a legendary you're like shit well, i got like i got to get three cards out there and that's just to get the board back yeah i mean there will always be a bit of a, a deck advantage situation mm-hmm. that's largely why i don't like constructed too every single time i get beat by like someone just dropping three legendaries in a row i get really mad and play another arena run yeah you're I, like this yeah. feels <laughs> this feels not fair to me as a video game player yeah. right now I, yeah. I really yeah. think that the the game's success is going to be found in their arena. It's just such a good format, and it's very, very rewarding to play. And every time you, you know, do a little bit better than you did last time, the game actually rewards you with more, because for each victory you get before you reach the three losses, you get a better reward at the end. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I, I would definitely agree with that. The cost to go in, and at six, you actually gain gold. And at 12, you're awesome. <laughs> at 12, you are a golden god. All right, well, on that note, we actually have to take our second refill break of the episode. We will be our beat. During that break, there was continued intense Hearthstone debate between Chris and Marcus, so we are going to find out who wins that game. And uh, possibly I'll be I'll be streaming some stuff later, uh, maybe games with Kristen, Marcus, and Chris, hopefully. That could be kind of funny, because, you know, Kristen and I, maybe we have a chance against each other. I feel like Marcus and Chris will just destroy me. So <laughs> it, would be, it would be humorous to watch me lose. But we're going to move on and wrap up this episode with what we do at the end of every episode of This Is Serious Business, and that's our Geek of the Week segment, where we talk about things we've been watching, reading, doing, or playing over the past several weeks. So let's start with Marcus. Marcus, what have you been up to lately? And I bet it may have something to do with Magic the Gathering. <laughs> Today, I officially retired from Magic. Retired? You're done? Yes. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm moving to Shanghai, and so I sold my, I sold my deck. I got uh, $220 for it. Nice. Which was pretty good. It's nice to have a little money in my pocket. But uh, I've also been playing uh, Warhammer. 
mm-hmm. Warhammer Fantasy Battles. I've actually gotten back into painting. I'm painting all my clan rats. Uh, I played uh, Skaven versus High Elves, and uh, it looked bad for me for a while, but then my Hell Pit Abominations just came in there and wiped the board. It was amazing. Like he, I came in, and I smashed through one chariot, smashed through a second chariot, and destroyed a whole block of infantry with one charge. It, uh, it felt pretty good. Uh, it sounds like a pretty good feeling. I don't play Warhammer at all, so I have no idea what you're just saying. But I could think I could think a chariot smashing through an army would be very cathartic, and then you're into uh, running. Uh, it. it was actually a giant rat beast sewn together from other rats into a giant evil mound, and it just feeds on things as it rumbles across the battlefield. That's pretty it's, great. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so yeah. you want? So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to uh, get back into Warhammer again. So I'm even like painting all of my clan rats. So I've got like. At least 200 hours of painting in front of me. Is there a <laughs> Warhammer scene in China? I don't think so. Oh, let's start one. There's a magic scene in China. Are you going to tear up Shanghai like you tore up NYC in the magic scene? I mean, probably not. I mean, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> probably not, man. No. Well, you uh, know what? There is a lot of in China. Dota. I will. I've actually uh, one of my one of my one of my bucket lists on Shanghai is to uh, play Dota in a PC bar. Oh, man. I bet that's yeah. going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be incredible amounts of fun. <laughs> of course, it may also be really boring if the Chinese meta remains the same. <laughs> uh, play to not so much win as to not lose. That's forever. Forever, yes. <laughs> cool. So win. Until you win. Until the other team fails at not losing. Yeah. I believe that's the way it works. <laughs> uh, Don't push the high ground until everyone has buyback. Right. Everybody must have buyback. You must have an Aegis, etc. <laughs> yeah. So let's move on to Kristen. Kristen, what have you been up to lately? Oh, well, I finally got my hands on a copy of Ender's Game. Oh, nice. Because I refused... She gave it a three out of five. Yeah, I, I gave it three out of five stars. Although that's Goodreads, which means I liked it. I mean, Goodreads, their star rating is really gentle. Like, a two-star rating is, it was okay, and one is, I didn't like it. Where, like, Netflix, a one is, like, burn it and bury it in the backyard. But I refused to pay for it, so I finally found a friend who had a copy and was willing to lend it to me. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was good. I think I read it a little bit too late. If I had read it younger, it probably would have meant more. But, like, I'm reading this post, like, Hunger Games, which I think tackles the same sort of thing without being written by a horrible scumbag who writes about boys' butts an awful lot. Yeah, he does do that for somebody who's so homophobic. Yeah. But, uh, you know. You know. Art. Art. Yeah. <laughs> not not uh, just their butts, but how they wiggle. I'm like, really? They're six. That that's all. Yeah, that's a little weird. But no, I think you, I think you definitely have a good point about the age thing when reading it because mm-hmm. uh, I read that book as maybe a 13 or 14 year old, and at that point, like that that I think is the prime time for yeah. reading Ender's Game. That's when you're old enough that you can understand some of the more nuanced stuff that's involved, but young enough that you can still, in a fantastical way, kind of relate to to the characters and feel like, you know, mm-hmm. I, you hear where they're coming from. Because that book, in a lot of ways, is about underestimating children. And I think a lot of kids, when they read that book, are like, yeah, I'm, I'm that kind of super smart as well. Do you so. think it's about underestimating children? Because, I mean, they do kind of throw the, a lot of shit at them. I don't mean that in the book itself children are underestimated i think that where oh, where the author is coming from is that children are smarter than we give them credit for mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah no, no that makes sense and i think you know i said like 
you know, I'm comparing it to Hunger Games, I think it was a big influence on the Hunger Games, and so it isn't an important book. It's just too bad the author turned out to be awful. Oh, cool. Thanks uh, for sharing with that. Are you <laughs> going to read any of the... cold bummer. Yeah. Um, are, are you going to read any of the other books? I heard that Speaker for the Dead is actually better. I don't know if it's I heard it very you, diff- or... Is yeah. that the one about Bean? No, uh, Bean has his own series. It's called, uh, I think the first one is called Ender's Shadow, appropriately. Oh, right. And the first in the Bean series, and I think there are four Bean books. And those are actually more direct sequels, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Speaker for the Dead is like, it begins and it's like 2,500 years later. No oh, boy. And you're like, what? So it's a little unusual in that regard. But Speaker for the Dead is very different, and I thought it was pretty good but again i read it over a decade ago so i I couldn't do the third one the third one started to get too weird (laughs) but cool thanks for sharing so let's move on to our guest panelist chris chris what have you been up to lately a lot of Hearthstone. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> Shockingly. Outside, outside of Hearthstone. What are, you watched anything good? Read anything good? No, I've been like re-watching Mythbusters and working a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the life. Yep, living the life. Do you have a, a particular favorite Mythbusters myth? Because I definitely have a favorite one. A favorite? Oh, God, a favorite Mythbusters myth. I don't know. Kyle and I have watched every single Mythbusters at least once, and I've seen probably all of them more than once. Mm-hmm. I, I always like when they do the old-timey war machines and they recreate them. Those are always yes, my favorite. Yes, when they build the... Um, I think it's called the Watcha, which is a series of rocket-propelled arrows. And oh, it act- yeah! It's the, it's the Korean weapon that they use against the I, Japanese. I, I think that the best one that they ever did was when they had the uh, rocket sled to accelerate yes. <laughs> car upon impact. There was oh just God. nothing left of it. And uh, they shot it with a high frame rate camera so they could do the slow motion. Like, you, you see the car dissolving. Yeah. Even with, like, the super, super, super slow-mo camera, there's still, like, maybe three frames of actual impact. (laughs) So much faster than the speed of sound. Yeah. Oh, man. And the look on their faces, because they, you could tell that this was their first time using a rocket sled. Because they're, they're, like, like, it it, it ignites first, and then the afterburners kick in. And when it initially ignites, they're, like, oh, wow. And then That's the afterburners fast. kick in, and they're like, what? <laughs> the thing just disappears when the afterburners kick in. I, okay, my favorite myth is uh, uh, can TNT uh, clean out a cement truck? Which it can, and that's amazing. <laughs> very, very interesting episode. Ends with a big bang, and it's phenomenal that you can actually clean out the cement from a cement truck without damaging it using TNT. Cool. Well, uh, thank you for that. And let's <laughs> see. What have I been up to? I've watched a couple of things on Netflix lately, and, you know, they're not too uh, too typically in our realm, but I might as well bring them up. I actually watched Jack Reacher in a fit of boredom, and, uh, <laughs> you know, it's based on a series of books from what I understand. It's Tom Cruise's vehicle as a movie, and it was way better than I thought it would be, which isn't to say it's great, but uh, I would put it firmly in the three out of five realm of really acceptable to watch when you have two hours to kill if it's a rainy Saturday or something like that. (laughs) The opening is surprisingly intense and good. Like, the first ten minutes of that movie are excellent filmmaking. And from there, it sort of moves into procedural territory. But, 
it's worth checking out. And I will caution that the opening 10 minutes are very upsetting as well for a number of reasons. The other thing I watched recently was a Mel Gibson movie of all things called Get the Gringo, which is about as racist <laughs> as it sounds. Uh, but he, he plays a character who ends up incarcerated in a Mexican prison village. Why did you watch it? Why did I watch it? Because uh, I was bored. And when you're bored, Netflix... There's so many options. Start... <laughs> okay, there are so many worse options, though. I mean, let's be clear. It's Netflix. There's a lot of really weird things on there. Yeah, but at least the weird ones are enjoyably weird. Well, I'm... I'm... I've got 10 minutes left and get the gringo. I'll probably finish it sometime later, but uh, it's another one of those movies that's that's kind of good but kind of upsetting as you watch it. You're like you're like no one is really redeemable here. Even the victims in this movie aren't really redeemable people. But it is kind of well made and it has some some surprisingly clever moments. Uh, so, I don't know, I'd, I'd put both of those movies in that, like, mid-range. Yeah, you won't be disappointed after you watch them. They'll, they'll kill a couple hours of time if you're on Netflix <laughs> territory. So, at this point, I want to give you guys an opportunity to make any shout-outs and to let people know where they can find you online. So, let's, uh, start with our guest, Chris. Chris, any shout-outs, and, uh, is there any place that you would like people to track you down? I am Chris in a jar on absolutely everything. If it has an account name, I'm Chris and Ajar on it. Mm, Pornhub? Uh, sorry. I I, account, you left the door open. <laughs> who leaves comments on... I know. Who needs uh, There is a guy who goes onto Pornhub and he comments on every video with a limerick. That's that awesome. guy is awesome. There's actually a Tumblr that's uh, Pornhub comments on stock photography. And Those are like really good. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So let's move on to Marcus. Marcus, where can people find you? And any shout outs? Shout out to GSL. Go, go, Maru. You are one Terran Hope. So yeah, that's starting up soon, which I'll be excited about. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, you can find me at Marcus T. Wallace on Twitter. I say funny stuff about farts. Cool. Kristen? You can find me on Twitter at Nero's Liar. Nice. And you can find me on Twitter at Tisby Jeff. That's T I S B for This Is Serious Business. Jeff. And you can check out our website at tisbycast.com, where we have links to our Tumblr, our Facebook, our iTunes, all that jazz. As always, I have absolutely no idea how to end this episode. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got nothing this time. Do your yeah. best impression. That was pretty good. It's brilliant. And oh, now, no, that was my favorite part of World of Warcraft was when Murlocs would aggro you. <laughs> the great Murloc poet, <laughs> Murgle. To be or not to be, that is the. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Murlocs are the best. They are the best. <laughs> oh, God. This is serious business. <laughs>